The following message has been brought to you by AudioPreaching.com. It is our prayer that your life will be changed today by the power of God's Word. Born and reared back in the mountains of East Tennessee, and we were poor folks. We are so poor, we spelt four or three O's, I think. Amen. I told the folks who I was preaching the other day, uh, my daddy would go out the back of the smokehouse at Christmas time, shoot the shotgun, and tell us kids that Santa Claus committed suicide. But we are poor folks. And we finally saved up enough money to carpet the bathroom, and Mama liked it so good we just put it up the path on the end of the house. But anyhow, what I was going to tell you was some, back in those days, we'd get up and go to school in the long uh, winter months. Boy, I'm telling you, it was cold back in those mountains. And we'd have to walk two miles to catch the school bus. And my little sister, she was in the first grade, I was in the second. And she'd get to crying, and I'd slap her jaws. And the reason I'd do it, I was about to cry myself. And we'd just hope and pray that the scales would be open. And that's where they weighed the coal trucks coming out of the mountains. And we knew if the scales was open, well, they'd have the big fire going, and we'd be able to get warm. And uh, in the first grade, I carried a four-pound lard bucket from, uh, with my lunch in it. And then in the second grade, I carried an eight-pound lard bucket. And you older people will know what I'm talking about. This young crowd don't know what I'm speaking of at all. In fact, I use terminology to young folks don't even know what I'm talking about. Blue John, I was talking the other night about we as poor folks just had a one-holer. My uncle had a two-holer, and they didn't even know what we were talking about. And one fella, one fella grabbed a book, and he went to peeking out at me like that. But you need to be embarrassed. Everybody used to have one of them things. Is that right? Yes, sir. But anyhow, uh, my grandmother and my mother would get up in the morning time, and uh, we'd have to leave before daylight, get back after dark. And they'd cook some good old maybe fresh sausage, hog killing time, or maybe some good tenderloin or some good old country ham. You like that, huh? I told them my wife was frying some other morning. My next-door neighbor from the backyard with a biscuit, sopping there. Yes, sir. But I tell you... We'd, we'd get up, and Mama would make them big old cathead biscuits. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, they that big. I can see her rolling there. She'd take her fist and hit it like that. I, I, I like to cook, and I, I'm president of the Blue Ridge Bear Hunting Club up in North Carolina. I've been a bear hunter about all my life. I, I make biscuits every morning, but I improved on Mama's method. I don't hit them like that. I go like that. Amen. <laughs> That's a lot quicker. Get it done a lot quicker. Yes, sir. But anyhow, she'd, she'd make those big old biscuits and, and put some good old cow salve all over it. I mean, that kind of butter that'd see the cow, you know. And uh, put some good old jelly, blackberry jelly. And uh, maybe she'd have some fried apple pies, or we call it a yellow cake, big slab of yellow cake in there. And I'd go to school, and when it come lunchtime, I'd get over in the corner ashamed to eat dinner. And the reason I was ashamed was because most of them, their parents could give them money, to buy their lunch on, and I'd be ashamed. I had to carry that, that old lard bucket, and I'd get over in the corner and turn my back, and I'd open that bucket up and get me out a ham and biscuit, and a sausage and biscuit, and tenderloin and biscuit, and, and a good fried apple pie, and all of that. And while I was eating ham and biscuit, the rest of them was down in the dining hall eating sauerkraut and weenies. Are y'all getting this? I'm feeling sorry for myself. Hey, I didn't know how well off I was. You know, I'm convinced over here in the United States of America, we just don't know how well off we are. I was thinking tonight, Pastor, as I looked over the house, all these empty seats, and there's uh, several empty seats. There's a time when they'd had a revival in this country, every seat in this building had been packed out. 
I preached in Cuba some years ago right after Castro took over in a chicken arena. And big bamboo, bamboo poles this big around. People sit on for two hours, two hours and a half. And when you get through preaching, they go to holler and tell us more. Tell us more. People stand there with chickens under their arms waiting on to get through so they get in and have a chicken pot. Isn't it sad that we just don't recognize a lot of times how good God's been to us? Here in the United States of America, we'd have to write Washington, ask them if we could have a meeting here tonight. We didn't have to get in touch with some state official. My, we just set aside, Brother Wright, felt let a God have a revival meeting at this time, and just set aside a time, and here we are, comfortable building. I commented a few moments ago, what a wonderful building you have here. Nice padded pews, rugs on the floor. You would want a better choir and choir leader and musicians than you've had here tonight. All this good singing, my, the specials have lifted us up. And, you know, in the United States of America, I tell you what, we're standing on Jordan's stormy banks and casting a wishful eye. Once you cross the river, bless God, shout the walls down. Let a barrel of honey turn over your soul. Amen. And let grape juice run off your chin. And thank God and praise the Lord that we are Americans and we are born and reared in the United States of America. They're making a film on the campground, the Greer Baptist campground, where I'm uh, the high potentate and grand wizard. And uh, they, they're making a film this week. Bob Jones University is filming a film now this week. And it's on Russia. And uh, they're down in the woods back at the camp there. They've got a place fixed up. There's about three or 400 people uh, in the congregation. They're uh, Christians in Russia. And they're hiding out in the woods having a meeting. And all of a sudden the KGB comes in and grabs the preacher up, takes off the leading the members of the congregation, hauls them away. Well, that's just a film going on on the campground. But you know what? That's actually what happens in Russia and other parts of the world. I'm glad, thank God, I was born reared in the United States of America. I, I got the same thing me, old Andrew Jackson had in him. He was down there in New Orleans, and a French general sent word and said, I'm going to eat dinner today in New Orleans. Andrew Jackson sent word back, you come to New Orleans, you'll eat supper in hell. Amen. I, that's, hey, that's the spirit of Americanism, my friend. That's God, people's got something to call and stand for something, believe something. Stand on old-time religion. Thank God, fight the devils and the demons of hell. And let this world know that we've been to Calvary, washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have no apologies to make to this lost and dying world to stand as four square for Jesus Christ in these last days. I'm glad I'm in. I'm glad I'm safe. I've been acting this way for 40 years almost. Thank God. And it's getting better all the time. One woman said, if you was my husband, I'd give you poison. I said, if you was my wife, I'd eat it too, honey. Amen. Bless God, I'll tell you right now, I mean, God's people ought to be the happiest folks on the face of this earth. They ought to stand up for something, believe something, and stand by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in these last days. I count the privilege to be here. This is an honor. Uh, everywhere, I, everywhere I go, hey, someplace I go, I wish I hadn't even got there. Amen. That's right. But I've been looking forward to this meeting. I got in a little late, but when I got to my room, I appreciate that wonderful fruit basket, Brother Pastor. I'm going to work on that and I get back over that tonight. Yes, sir. I appreciate that and all the goodness that's been shown to me since arriving here in your fair city. Now, I'm looking forward to having a good time this week. Now, look here. Let me, let me put in a little plug right quick. Suppose I told you tomorrow night if you bring somebody, or say, let's just say Sunday. You bring somebody Sunday, I'm going to give you a $150,000 home. How many highway patrolmen do you think it'd take to take care of the traffic that'd be lined up headed for this church? You'd bring somebody if you had to hog tie your mother-in-law and drag her in here. Amen. 
Last God to get a $150,000 home. You'd drag her in here if you had to get a John Deere tractor and four Bramer bulls. You'd get her here. Amen. Huh? I told you I'd give you a brand new Cadillac if you bring somebody. Why, listen, Atlanta, Georgia, the whole state, if they heard of it, they'd be trying to get in here to get a Cadillac or get a $100,000 home or some gift that I was giving away. Well, I don't have any $1,000 uh, $20,000, $30,000, whatever the cost of Cadillacs. And I don't have any magnificent homes to give away. And I'll tell you what the Bible said. God said a man that winneth souls is wise. And God said a man that winneth souls hides a multitude of sin. Why don't you, why don't you use your automobile, use your telephone, and use your influence and call somebody and bring them with you to the house of God and let's have revival. Uh, this pastor's got the same kind of heart I got. Praise God. He told me on the phone. He said, I, if I ever fight a revival, I'm going I'm to hang out there. And I said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You let one break out down there and call me as assistant pastor. Amen. I've always said, if I ever got in a real old-fashioned revival, I was going to camp out there, buddy. I'm just going to say, hey, you say, what do you got to do next week? I ain't got a thing to do with it. You let a revival break out, we'll stay till Jesus comes. Amen. Or do I die? Yes, sir. We'll, we'll just hang out here. And I tell you, it'd suit me. Wouldn't it be marvelous to know that uh, revival had broke out here in your city and folks was being saved? Brother Pastor, when I got saved, a revival broke out in Knoxville, Tennessee in 1950, and I may tell you about it one night. I was laying in a pool hall, dog drunk, passed out. And some fellas came and found me, took me to a revival meeting that night. I was gloriously redeemed. Did you know that over 5,000 people, pardon me, I've got a cold tonight, over 5,000 people got saved in that revival effort. And out of my high school, over 500 saved my high school. They called off graduation services in 36 high schools in the Knoxville and the greater Knoxville area for a revival campaign. Isn't that something? I saw a fellow the other day, and he said we went back. Uh, we had a, a class reunion. And he said, you know, out of our class, he said there was 15 that had gone to preaching out of our class. Now, I tell you, boy, listen, over our all-state football football team, the all-state team for three consecutive years, there was nine started preaching, and as far as I know, eight of them are still preaching this day. And that's been almost 40 years ago. Now, I want to tell you, folks, wouldn't it be marvelous if they closed down the factories, shut up the high schools, praise God, people wouldn't even want to go to work, and all that traffic that I saw coming in here tonight was headed for People's Baptist Church. Amen. Bless the Lord. You talk about... Something. Listen, it could happen if God's people will just pay the price and get themselves yielded to the Lord. I believe it could happen in these last days. You pray. Let's let God do something for us in these days. Pray that God uh, would have His way in my heart, that I'd be submissive and yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Back in the best of you, we have some tapes tonight. Uh, they used to uh, be bookworms. I think everybody's tapeworms this day and time. But back in the best of you, some tapes back there. I have 84 songs recorded, singing songs. And then I have uh, some uh, preaching tapes back there. An offering of $5, a uh, singing tape, offering of $4, a preaching tape. And I wish I could give them to you, but the company won't allow it. And I happen to be president of the company. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. So you go by tonight. Maybe something back there that you'd like to see. When you pray, ask God to help us in these days. And let's experience an old-fashioned revival. If you have your Bible, turn with me tonight to the book of Psalms. The Psalms, the 106th Psalm. Now, I bring what's on my heart for this hour. 106th Psalm. Now, I ask you to pray for me. I have a, a terrible cold, and I don't know where I caught it. I just came out of the mountains of Virginia, 
And Brother Pastor, uh, the other morning, there's four inches of snow right there at the preacher's house, and trees is hanging over, and I and it was just his house up on top of that mountain. Now, I think maybe I took coal while I was up there. But anyhow, you pray, and we, I'm not here to entertain or be entertained. I'm just here to do the will of God and to keep some mother's boy or girl out of hell if I possibly can. That's the reason I'm here. I would not have been running up down this country. I've been a full-time evangelist for 33 years. I would not go away from my family, from my home, and run up down this country did I not have a desire to see somebody saved. I'm going to tell you outside of my own salvation, there's nothing thrills me anymore than to see somebody make their way to an old-fashioned altar and receive Christ as their Savior. That's the most thrilling thing outside of my own salvation that's ever happened in my life. See, somebody born into the family of God. And one of these nights, you want to be here. I'm going to bring you a message one night uh, talking about people that I've known in, in past years that received Christ. What a wonderful testimony they had for Jesus. You'll be in the service. There's no telling what will happen. Hey, just the night you stay at the house, that may be the night the tide will really come in. And I mean the white caps will go to breaking. I don't want to miss it. Brother, I want to be here. I like to go to church like going to a dog fight. Get there for the first growl and stay in its over with. Huh? Yes, sir. I mean get in it. Have a good time in the Lord. I believe God means for us to enjoy our salvation. All right. In the 106th Psalm tonight, praise ye the Lord and give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy and doeth ever. Who can under the mighty acts of the Lord, who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thy inheritance. We've sinned with our fathers, we've committed iniquity, we've done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies, there was not one of them left. Then believed they his works, uh, they sang his praise, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them the request, but sent leanness into their soul. They ended Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abraham. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten calf. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which has done great things in Egypt. As we look at the text tonight, David oftentimes uh, is numerating the things that God has done for his own. Don't you like to sing that song, Count Your Blessings One by One? And really, I like it the way the little girl got to sing it. I thought she was mixed up, but I think she got it right. She said, Count Your Blessings Ton by Ton. Well, when you sit down and you start enumerating what God has done for his own, it'll thrill you. David talked about how that God put shoes on their feet that didn't wear for 40 years, uh, and how that God called them, and how the Lord gave them food, uh, rained down manna from heaven, sending the quails, and how that the Lord gave them water out of a rock, and how that God gave them a pillar of fire to lead them a night and a cloud in the daytime. And he often enumerated the things that God had done for his own. But here, notice he says, uh, 
They soon forgot the good goodness of God. They forgot how that God led them out of the out of the Egypt land. How that He opened up the waters of the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry ground. He says they soon forgot all about that. And then, my friends, uh, uh, He cries out in verse twenty-one and said they forgot their Savior, which had done great things uh, in Egypt. As the pastor said tonight, we need uh, a revival. He said everybody needs a revival. I tell you, my friends, I think the preachers across this country would have the list of, of needing an old-fashioned revival. We're spending money that we don't have for things that we don't need to impress folks that we don't even like. That's the age that we're living in. And I want to tell you folks tonight, we need a revival. We've tried everything in the world to have a revival. We've tried soup suppers and bowling alleys and skating rinks. I saw where one church in the state of Georgia some years back had a train monkey at the door. I said word to them they didn't need a monkey at the door. They had an ape in the pulpit. Amen? Yes, sir. I want to tell you, my friends, we've tried every kind of a method, every kind of a scheme, all programs, but it's all failed. We've tried Sunday school. That's well and good. I'm not opposed to that, but it has not produced a revival. We've tried all kinds of training programs, and that's well and good, but it has not produced an old-fashioned revival. I tell you, I know churches that's put in uh, bowling alleys and skate rinks and all kinds of programs for the young people, but that has not produced uh, an old-fashioned revival. Well, you say, preacher, what must we do? I tell you, friends, we need to do some things tonight. First of all, we need to confess our sins uh, unto God. The second thing, we need to pray down the power of God. And the third thing, we need to go in Jesus' precious name. Now, somebody said, preacher, what do you mean? But confess up your sin. You mean all the gossipers ought to get Right? Well, anybody's got good sense knows that, but there's more to it than just the gospels. There's lethargy, complacency, malice, hatred, envy, strife, jealousy, pride, all kinds of sins uh, that are piled up. Yes, sir. I tell you folks, uh, more to it than just the gossip. Uh, one fellow was hijacked into Cuba, he and his wife, some years ago, and he was complaining. He said they got everything, uh, everything. She said, not half as bad as you think. He said, what do you mean? She held her hand out. There was her rings and her watch. Uh, he said, how in the world did you save it? Why, she said, I just put it in my mouth. Uh, Lord, he said, I wish your mama would have been here. We'd have saved her luggage. Uh, well, there's a lot of folks got big mouths. Uh, a lot of folks, my friends, uh, uh, that need to put their tongues on the altar. I got a letter sometime back from a woman that was in the charismatic movement, and she said, what you need is a new tongue. I wrote her back, what you need is a good Bible to go on the one you got. Amen. Yes, sir. I want to tell you, my friends, we need to check up tonight that a lot of folks have got long tongues. They can stand in the uh, kitchen, lick the skillet in the kitchen, and never have any problem. No, sir. But there's more to it than just gossiping. There's all kinds of sins that's piled up. We need to confess to God that we have robbed Him, first of all, of the time that belongs to Him. Now, folks got time for everything in the world. They've joined up with the gooses and the mooses and the hoot owls and the polecats and every kind of a lodge hall you can think of. One fellow said to me the other day, I'm an odd fella. I said, buddy, I wouldn't tell at this day and time. It's a bit of me, me. Yes, sir. One fellow told me, he said, you ought to join the Masons. Go through the York right. And said, you'll see Jesus. I said, I'm ahead of you. I went to Calvary. Thank God. Listen, my friend. I want to tell you tonight, when we come to the precious Word of God, our folks have got time for everything in the world. They've got time for the mountains, the lakes. Uh, they've got time for all kinds of programs uh, at the ball fields, the wrestling matches, you name it. They have time, but no time for God. 
And when they go to church and the preacher preaches what they call a long message, and they want him to hurry up, they're constantly watching their watches. I told some folks the other day, a bunch of clock-eyed church members. Amen? That's right. And what bothers me is when a fellow puts it up to his ear and shakes it and see if it's still running. Amen? Well, I'll tell you, friends, our folks have time for everything, but no time for God. I want to say, old John was on the Isle of Patmos, and he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. He didn't say I was in the uh, swimming hole on the Lord's Day. He didn't say I was playing cow pastor pool on the Lord's Day. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And so, my friend, we see uh, that we need to confess to God we've robbed Him uh, of the time that belongs to Him. I read a little something some years back uh, that I thought was most interesting. It said if a man lived to be 65 years old, uh, out of 65 years, he would actually work uh, nine years. Now, you argue the statisticians. I'm simply telling you what they said. That a man would actually work nine years. Uh, It went on to say that that same man would uh, spend two years uh, shaving his face. Uh, in other words, you ladies are not the only ones that primp and fix up. A man would actually spend two years to shave his old mug and look it in the mirror. Then it, spent, it said he'd spend four years eating. Uh, that is, this ordinary fella, like me and that fella right there, he spent more time than that. Yes, sir. Well, it went on to say that he spent 20 years loafing. Uh, he joins the Spit and Whittle Club and sits around and argues whether a man can be saved today and lost tomorrow. Just argues uh, and for uh, 20 years and loafs does nothing else. Then it went on to say that if he went to church two hours on Sunday morning and two hours on Sunday night, out of six Five years he would only give to God one and a half years. Uh, now, isn't that a sad commentary tonight that we don't have any more time for God than that? Why, folks come out to the house of God and you say to them, Brother, would you uh, uh, be here for visitation? I don't have time. I'm busy. Hey, Brother, we're too busy this day and time. They don't even build porches on houses no more. Nobody's got time to sit out. Huh? That's right. Hey, I tell you, friends, we're so busy running to and fro. No time for God than my friends notice uh, how we've robbed God of the, uh, t- of the money that belongs to it. Some folks squeeze the nickel so tight, they'd make the Indian ride the buffalo on the other side. Huh? Yes, sir. One, uh, one fellow went forward at our church in Tabernacle Church some years ago in South Carolina where Brother Harold Sotner pastors uh, and, uh, and he went to the altar when the pastor preached on tithing. And when he got back to his seat, one of the members punched him and said, Hey, have you been a shouting all this time on a credit? <laughs> hey, a lot of folks, my friends, shout on a credit. Uh, I put your friend of mine was walking through the hospital in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And he looked in and there was one of his leading church members. Uh, and he said, My... I didn't know you said, yeah, what in the world's wrong? Uh, Why, the man said they just took my ties out. (laughs) Did you get that, huh? You better. They may take your gizzard out before it's over with. Amen. A lot of people have uh, time uh, uh, for everything in the world. They have money for everything in the world, but no money for God. Uh, They come to church on some business meeting time. That's about the only time they ever show up when you're going to build a new church. Uh, And they'll get all upset. They don't want this one tore down. Grandpa used to spit out that window over there and they want the church to stand and then they'll start pulling God's about broke and going out of business and, and uh, we just don't have enough money to build the church uh, and then they'll make a motion 
that the ladies' missionary society go down to the corner of Market Main, have a rummage sale, and help God out. God's about broke and about to go out of business. Uh, it's not long till the ladies' missionary society gathers up old uh, run-over shoes and patched-up britches and, and old dresses, a thing you can read a newspaper through them, and they gather up some lemon pies and, and chocolate cakes and banana puddings, uh, some Watkins liniment camper and acidity, and go down to the corner of Market Main uh, to have a rummage sale to help God out. Uh, hey! God doesn't need your rummage sales. Uh, God doesn't need your run-over shoes and patched-up britches. Uh, God doesn't need lemon pies, watching cinnamon, or acetate. Uh, get all my hands while he's at it. Hey, I tell you, my friends, one of the grandest things in this world, when you get saved by the grace of God, is to honor God with your time, with your money, and, my friends, with your talents that you have. I like these fellas tonight. Listen, uh, they might not know how to play a piano, but they'll both pick that man, amen, and that's a playing that guitar, suits me just fine. Somebody said, we don't like that in your church. That's the reason I don't go to your church. Uh, amen. You say, they don't shadow my church. Well, they haven't seen your car parked over here tonight, so you might as well get in. Amen. Yes, sir. Hey, I tell you, some folks never give their talents to God. Honey, listen, if you pick a five-string major, pick it for the glory of God. If you play the piano, play for the glory of God, we ought to give our talents to the Lord. And the reason we're not exposed to the revival is because folks are not confessing their sins uh, unto God. We're living in one of the most frivolous ages I've ever seen. we got more mealy-mouthed, back-scratching, compromising, uh, ear-tickling, pussy-putting, uh, mud-hole-walling, cigarette-sucking, poodle-dog-can preachers in this age uh, than I've ever seen. Some of them talk so soft, uh, they sound like they got a bunion on their tongue uh, and a honey on their lung. Amen? They never cried against anything. They never preach against sin. I believe tonight God's bed ought to preach like the house is on fire. Hell's in the front yard and the devil's a climb the back window. They ought to cry against sin. Yes, sir. We're living in the closing out of this age. And God's bed ought to stand for the Lord Jesus. You believe that? And so, my friends, we're going to revival, and I'm going to spend my time preaching on sin tonight. But I want to tell you, if we're going to experience revival, we need to confess our sins up. Then, number two, we need to pray down the power of God. Hey, you talk about something quick. Uh, a man can pray in the United States of America, and God can answer in London, England in a split second. One old seaman slipping off of the rat lines one night, headed for the battlefield. I heard the town clock in the distance striking nine. And he remembered what his old mother said when he left home to go to service. Uh, she said, Son, every night at nine, Mama's going to be praying for you. Oh, he said when he heard that town clock striking nine, all fear dispersed. Uh, he knew somewhere back in America. God's, his mother was bowed before God on her knees in prayer, praying that the Lord would spare his life and bring him safely home once again. Now, neighbor, I want to tell you, our prayer is a wonderful thing. I like to read the Bible about praying people. I agree with that old Elijah. Praise God, he's a praying man. He went to the top of the mountain to pray one day with the devil's crown, and boy, they whooped it up like a lot of peasants I know, and not a thing happened. But after a while, old Elijah fixes an altar, takes his trench, puts the sacrifice on the altar, and he just prayed sixty. Three words. I believe it was 63 words. Uh, wasn't a big long prayer. He didn't pray a big long prayer like some people do on Sunday morning. They hadn't prayed all week. They're trying to catch up. Just six 
53 words. He said, God let the fire fall. Oh, you listening to me? I want to tell you, the fire of God came down, consumed the altar. The sacrifice left up the water. This was God's man. I like to read about uh, uh, Daniel praying by the river Philippi. Oh, listen. Uh, God came on the scene. I like to read about Paul and Silas at the midnight hour in that old jailhouse of praying. Hey, you like that? Oh, Paul got the praying, and he said to Silas, son, would you hash the tune? And he hashed it what? Maybe it was number 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Uh, hey, my brother is having a camp meeting. I ain't talking about a cramp meeting. I mean a camp meeting. Uh, and, hey, hey, and, and all the prisoners heard him. But that's not all that heard him. I'm glad that God heard him. Hey, pray now to say, Elvis Presley may have sung the jailhouse rock, uh, but God's a person never rocked one. Uh, I'm going to tell you, that midnight hour, that old jail began to reel and rock, and old Paul and Silas came walking out. That jailer was in the bed, sound asleep, and God shook him out of the bed. He hit the floor. He come up bouncing in there. And the Bible said he saw the prisoners were escaped. He drew out his sword. He would have killed himself, uh, supposing they'd fled from the scene. But Paul cried and said, hey, said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. Then the jailer called for light, and he sprang in, and he fell down, and he said, sirs, who ever heard of two uh, uh, jail thugs calling uh, uh, a jailer sirs? Now, if you think they do, you have never been in jail. I'll tell you that right now. They said, sirs, uh, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Uh, they said, join the Camelot church and get baptized, uh, and thou shalt be saved. Uh, no, no, you can get baptized all the tent fish and shake hands in the tadpoles uh, and die and go to hell, my friend. Uh, if I believe I save a water, you know what I'd sing? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the water. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the water. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Uh, nothing but the water fountain. I'd sing that as sure as I'm a living. I'd never sing at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light. I'd sing at the meal pond at the meal pond where I first got ducked. Uh, I'd never sing Amazing Grace out sweep the sound. I'd sing amazing baptism. I'd sweep the splash. If I save the water, I'm not saved by water. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. I heard this gardener Ted Armstrong some time ago, and he said, there's no such thing as a burning hell. I said to my preacher friend that was with me, I said, don't change that dial. I want to hear this. Uh, he said, that word hell is an old English word. It's spelled H-E-L. Now, he said, it's nothing but a dark hole in the ground. And he said, when we was boys, we used to dig potatoes, and we put the potatoes in hell, H-E-L, a dark hole in the ground. Uh, I told my preacher friend, I said, uh-huh, God sticks him in hell. He'll come out a baked He'll mark that down. Hey, I'll tell you, God said, it's a place where the worm dieth not, and the Fire is not quenched, my friend. Uh, they didn't tell him to join up with Garner Ted Armstrong. They didn't tell him to join the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, hey, I'd join anything before I'd join that crooked outfit. Amen. I said that to the little fella got kind of upset. He was a good old Baptist. He said, you ought not call people crooks. Uh, well, I said, they're crooks. That's exactly. He said, why do you say that? Well, I said, they don't read the Bible for the first thing. And then, and then I said, look, they started out as Russellites, and then they became known as the Watchtower Society, and now they're known as the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I said, don't all crooks 
change their name, alias Joe, alias John. If I didn't believe in a burning hell, I'd change my name every now and then. I had an old grandmother, great-grandmother went to Texas years ago, and she came back to East Tennessee with that damnable doctrine that the Christian scientists teach. Well, I got in the United States Army, and I met a Christian scientist. I soon found out he wasn't either one of them. He wasn't no Christian, and he wasn't no scientist. He tried to tell me that if you hurt, it's all in your head. One day I had the toothache. He said, it's all in your head. Uh, made me mad. I said, you ever hear the toothache anywhere else? You ever hear the toothache in the ankle? You ever hear the toothache in the foot? Uh, well, uh, in those two years in the Army, had to take a bath a few times. One day I went to take a shower. You fellas that's been in service know how that they got a shower room with a lot of showers and then you just pick out one. And I had to go through this fellow's shower to get into mine. He had the cold water on. I said, whoop, turn it out. Oh, he said, it's all in your head. He said, if you think it's cold, it's cold. If you think it's hot, it's hot. Uh, hey, honey, hey, look at me. I'm a country fella. I might look like I come to town load of pumpkins, but I didn't, buddy. Amen. I'll tell you something. Hot water makes hair come off of a hog, dead or alive. Amen. Next time you find one of these Christian scientists that said there's nothing to pay, take him with his back turned, get you a good hat pin, and slip upon him and find out. I want to tell you one thing right now, friend. Listen, you come to the blessed word of God, I want to tell you uh, there's a lot of false religionists, but Paul didn't tell them to join up my friends of the Christian scientists. He didn't tell them to go to Rome and confess their sins through a knot hole to Latin speaking rogue barn bead count priest uh, that they call Father the Bird ain't even mad and dresses like Mama on top of it. They didn't tell him, my friends, even to join up with the Presbyterians, the Methodists, uh, not even with the Baptists. Uh, he simply said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what he said. And that's exactly what happened that night. That fellow got to have all that happened. Came about because of a prayer meeting. Amen. I read about others in the Bible that had prayer meetings. But friend, look at old Simon Peter in jail. And the little churches are praying for him. God got to... Hey, I'm trying to tell you, there's nothing like praying and seeking the face of God. Some years ago in revival services, Hatches Baptist Church in, in West Tennessee, having services there in the morning, in the evening, and uh, every morning the people that go to work early, there's country folks working on the farms, they go to work at daylight, they take out, that's a good old country term, they take out about 10 o'clock, come to the church, have a service, then go over the house, eat their dinner, go back to the fields, and then take out in time to do their uh, chores at night and eat supper and get back to the church for revival services. Uh, on this particular morning, we was having services. Uh, uh, we'd have a little testimony meeting, a little prayer meeting, and then the uh, evangelist would bring a message. On this particular morning, we gathered, had the prayer meeting, little testimony meeting, and now it's time for the evangelist to bring the message. Just as the evangelist stood up, there stood an old lady about 75, 80 years old, and she said, Preacher, you'll have to pardon me, but I've got to pray. My baby boy's up there on the cornfield, about uh, seven miles from here, plowing corn, and revivals have come, revivals have gone, and still my boy is not a Christian. And that old woman started moving towards the aisle, and she said, you just have to pardon me, but I've got to pray. I've got to get a hold of God. I can't take it no longer. If my boy doesn't get saved, preacher, I believe I'll die before this meeting comes to a close. Uh, that old mother came down, got on her knees in the altar. Don't you listen to her prayer? She began to pray and said, Oh, God, save my boy. Lord, get hold of my son. 
God, don't let my baby go to hell. She said, God, I'm going to stay on this altar till my son gets saved. Or they sweep my bones out of this old church house. You ever heard a prayer like that? I never had. My soul, it felt like the hair was standing upon my head. People began to gather around, and they prayed. But about 12 o'clock, a lot of them was having to leave, and there was only 15 or 20 left. The pastor said, what are we going to do? And the banker said, we'll stay and die with us. That's what it takes. Uh, and so they prayed on. One o'clock. God, I mean it. I'm going to stay until my boy gets saved. Or they sweep my bones out of this church. Uh, two o'clock. Three o'clock. Three thirty. Four o'clock. To make a long story short, about four o'clock, those old church doors swung open. There stood an old boy with a dirty pair of overhauls, uh, an old blue work shirt, had an old work hat in his hand, and he's hollering to the top of his voice. Uh, hey, no! Hey, no! He said, God, save me up down that cornfield, and I run south off to tell you about it. Uh, my soul, listen, there's no need me to go into detail. You know what happened. Uh, Granny shouted her hair down. Bless God. I'm telling you, they jumped the bench. Uh, I mean, they're swinging on the chandeliers. Uh, it's shouting time when somebody gets saved uh, by the grace of God Almighty, huh? Well, sir, I'll never forget a few years ago, my friend, uh, praise God, uh, the Lord moving in. Uh, I was preaching at the rescue mission in Greenville, South Carolina, and I noticed one night a fellow sitting way back in the back. There's about six or 700 people there, and... Uh, and fell sitting way back in the back, taking a little rag. Didn't have a handkerchief, had a little rag. And he wiped the tears when the invitation started. That man literally looked like jumped two rows of seats and down the aisle he came. Got in the altar. And uh, uh, the uh, uh, platform was about as high as this one. When he bowed down, why, they had to lean over to talk to him. And he told the fellow from Bob Jones University, a young fellow, dealing with him. And he said, tonight God's heard my mother's prayers. <laughs> said, my mother's been praying 37 years for me, and tonight God's heard mama's prayers. Uh, it impressed that young worker. He said to Brother Kirk, that was the director of the mission, he said, listen, he said, this man said he got saved tonight, and said God had answered his mother's prayers. Uh, oh, Brother Kirk went over and said, uh, is your mother still living? Yes, sir. Where'd she live? Gainesville, Georgia. Does she have a telephone? Yes, sir. He got the number. He sent a worker in one of the rooms that was right next to the auditorium and said, get Miss Brock on the line. I want to talk to her. Everybody was eavesdropping. It's all right to eavesdrop on a deal like that, huh? Yes, sir. Everybody was eavesdropping. All of a sudden, we heard that worker say, hey, Miss Brock's on the line. We heard old brother Kirk say, hello, Miss Brock. This is Tom Kirk, director of the Greenville Rescue Mission in Greenville, South Carolina. I just wanted to call you and tell you that your boy got saved tonight. Lord, when that man said that, that a woman shouted on the other end of the line and said, Thank God, the Lord always hears and answers prayer. And she threw the telephone down. And Brother Kirk said you could hear her going through the house uh, shouting. And every now and then she'd pass that telephone like the early morning special of going through town. Uh, after a while, she got back on there. And we heard that old boy say, Hello, Mom. He said, It's true tonight. God wash my sins away. When he said that, Mama went into orbit again, and didn't have to go to Cape Canaveral to fire off, didn't have to worry about the capsule burning up, or the oxygen running out, or a soft safe landing. Honey, I mean, she went into orbit. Uh, now, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you tonight, when the devil tells you not to pray, when the devil said, don't you pray anymore, there's no need to pray. Pray anyhow. Pray anyhow. I mean, stand there anyhow. Fight anyhow. Praise God, listen, you may get knocked down, but take a mandatory eight count, and bless God, get up and say, devil, I'm into it again with you. I'm going to pray anyhow. I'm going to pray till God gets on the scene. And I'll tell you, friends, when you do so, 
something's bound to take place. God will hear the prayer of those that cry to Him. You believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. Many of you sitting here tonight because of the prayers of a dear old mother or dad that prayed, some brother or sister that prayed, some Christian friend, maybe a dear preacher like Brother Wright prayed for you. You're here, my friends, because God heard the prayers of the saints. So we need not only confess up, we need to pray down, but we need to go in Jesus' precious name. I like to go in Jesus' name. Boy, don't you like to see the power of God? Don't you like to see God move on the scene, huh? I mean, something happened for the glory of God. Boy, I tell you, when you go in Jesus' name, now we go in the name of everything. We go in the name of the church, name of the Sunday school. Now, I don't mean to be little of the church, but I tell you, that, let's go in Jesus' name. That's the way we go. Go in Jesus' name. If you go just in Sunday school name or the church name, they'll come a little while. But wait a minute. If you go in Jesus' name, they get born again. Something's going to happen. That's right. I mean something will happen, my friend. Go in Jesus' precious name. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Uh, hey, it makes a difference. I hear people, you know, they got a popular doctrine this day and time that everybody's the same. No, everybody ain't the same. Everybody's not the same. How come I'm red-headed and bald-headed and some of you black-headed and got hair? Huh? How come some of you fat and some of you short and some of you tall and some of you good-looking like me and some of you ugly like him? Amen. Everybody's not the same. I don't know where they get that junk this damn time. And everybody is just like, everybody's not the same. Let me give you an illustration. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, here's, a, here's the guy, it's the president of the bank. And you like to play golf. Saturday morning, here he comes with his old baggy trousers on and old hat down on his head, and you go out and play golf all Saturday. But I tell you, that fellow don't look the same Monday morning. You've got to go down to the bank and borrow half a million dollars from him. Just try it sometime. Him sitting behind that desk, you go, Oh, you got You're just telling yarns to him on Saturday. Monday morning, you can't hardly talk. You see, it makes a difference. Position makes a difference. Are you getting this? That didn't go over too good. Let me give you another one. Suppose the... Hey, look, coming through, look, coming through the door. Suppose the door's open just then. About eight or ten Secret Service ministers walk in here, and President Bush, President of the United States, walked in here. So all you vote for him wouldn't make a hoot whether you voted for him or not. It'd tear your nerves up. I didn't vote for Jeff Kennedy either, but I'll tell you one thing. When he got shot, it tore my nerves up. After all, he was my president. Is that right? Huh? Now, I want to tell you, say, if, if President Bush walked in here tonight, you never would get over that. You'd tell your great-grandchildren. I was at People's Baptist Church. I've got that big old red-headed, freckled-faced, bug-nosed preacher and preaching. And said the doors opened and the President of the United States walked in and said he said that right across from me, he did do it. I was there. You did it. And sure as you're living. Huh? Yeah. Well, that ain't going over too good either. Let me give you one more. Gomer Powell. Hey, listen to this. Gomer Powell, whom I understand to be a, a movie star of some sort, came to the Greenville-Spartanburg Airport, and they said 15,000 people greeted him at the Greenville-Spartanburg Airport. I came in two weeks later on the same flight and had to call my wife up, come pick me up down at the airport. Hey, you got that, didn't you, huh? Yes, sir. I thought you'd get that. All right. Now listen, my friend. It makes a difference who you are. I've never been on uh, a star television. I tell you, my friend, don't nobody know me from Adam's house can hardly. But I'll tell you something. It makes a difference who you are. There's never been no 15,000 people ever met me at the airport. There might have been 20,000 I've seen I got away from there, but there wasn't no 15,000 to greet me. Hey, I'll say one thing. It makes a difference who you are.
that makes a difference when you go in Jesus' precious name. Brother, when you go in Jesus' name, that makes a difference. Yes, sir. I said to a preacher friend of mine one day as we visited the hospital in, um, in, in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, years back, I just started out preaching, and, and I said to my preacher friend, I said, you go ahead and visit your church members. I'm going to see if I can win somebody to God. I walked in the room. Here's three women in this one room. And the first woman was an elderly lady. I went to her, and I spoke to her, and I said, you a Christian? She said, yes, sir, I am. She gave a marvelous testimony. And she said, my husband will be after me in about 15 or 20 minutes. I'm going to be released, get to go home today. God's brought me through a major operation. I went to the next bed. Boy, that woman was smiling. She gave a, a beautiful testimony. And then I noticed a rather heavy-set girl. Looks like she's 22, 3, 4 years old in a bed next to the wall. And she was weeping her heart out. Well, I thought, boy, she's done got stirred up with the testimony of these two good old saints here, and she wants to testify too. I went on, I said, lady, are you a Christian too? Oh, no. She said, I'm not a Christian. But she said, I asked God all night last night to send somebody here today to tell me how to get saved. I said, I'm here. Praise God. I got my little New Testament out. I told her how to be born again. Now listen to this. That girl was dying with leukemia. They took her home. She stayed home about five days. And then they took her back to the hospital, and there she died. She was from a Greek Orthodox home. Her mother and dad could hardly speak English. They'd come from Greece over here. And she had ten brothers and sisters, and, and they was married and had children. There's a, about a 26 of them, if I remember correctly, in the immediate family. Boys, when that girl went home testified to the saving grace of God, well, they, uh, her dying, they didn't want to fuss with her and argue with her. They got hold of them. But when that poor thing died, they didn't know what to do. They had no preacher friend. They couldn't hardly speak English. And, 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 but they, remember she said something about Preacher Ely and Brother Kelly. They looked in the phone book and they found Brother Ely's name and, and they called him and asked him to preach the funeral. I went to the funeral that day. Oh, you should have been there. They came by her husband, that girl's husband, tried to get her up out of the casket in a pitiful situation. They wept as if they'd never see that girl again. Oh, I've never seen such brokenness in my life. After the service, my preacher friend said, What are you doing Sunday night? I said, Why, uh, nothing I suppose. Just going to church. He said, Come down and preach for me. Well, I was glad to do that. He had the largest country church in that part of the country, and, and it was a good opportunity for me. And I said, I'll be there. Boy, I, I went down. I, I went with bells on that night. I was tickled to death. I want to tell you, friend, when I uh, preached that night and gave the invitation, the aisles filled. I thought they'd misunderstood me. They thought I'd give the benediction. And then I was reminded back to some of the mountain churches, Christians come down and pray for sinners. I thought maybe that's what they're doing. But then all of a sudden I looked, there's a little dark-complected man and woman. I recognized them. It was that Greek Orthodox man and woman. And listen, that night, 26 of them made their way to that altar. And I heard them crying out, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me for Jesus' sake. I want to tell you, my friends, there's nothing like winning somebody to Jesus Christ. Yet folks say, I want to say tonight, if you want a revival, it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing. Confess your sins to God. Point out the power of God and go in Jesus' precious name. And when you do that, I'm going to tell you upon the authority of God's blessed word, we'll experience a revival like we have never seen in all of our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the presence of the Lord. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many of you tonight will simply say, Preacher, I need a revival. I need a revival. There's things in my life that ought not be. Things that's displeasing to the Lord. Sin in my life that ought not be. Look, I'm not trying to pin something on you. I'm not trying to find out anything. That's not the purpose of this. I just simply want to pray that God will help you.
to confess to him tonight and have revival. How many of you say, preacher, something in my life that's in a revival, it ought not be, pray for me, that I'd get it confessed and I'd have a real revival in my heart. Would you like to raise that hand? Say that many of you. Yes. All over the house. Thank you. I see those many hands. All right, let me ask this. How many of you say tonight, preacher, I'm not the prayer warrior that I should be. And I want you to pray that during this meeting, I'd become a prayer warrior. I'd start practicing praying during this revival. Pray that I'd become a prayer warrior. Would you like to raise your hand for prayer? Yes. Many, many hands. All right. And then how many of you tonight say, preacher, I'm not the soul winner I ought to be. I simply don't go in Jesus' name. I don't have a brokenness for sinners. I don't have a concern like I should have for sinners. Preacher, pray that I'd become a soul winner. Would you like to raise your hand for prayer? Slip them up. All right. Instruments play softly. Father, instruments are playing softly. Heads are bowed. This, this is the invitation. I'm not going to come back and hog tie you nor drag you down the aisle. But as the instruments play tonight, I want you to just get up out of that seat if you lifted that hand. You've got something in your life that ought not be. You're not the prayer warrior that you should be. You're not the soul warrior you should be. Just get up out of that seat. Come on right now. And let's have a real prayer meeting before the Lord tonight. Confess up. Pray down. And leave here tonight to go in Jesus' name to win souls to the blessed Savior.